Buddy set this up, but as a recap, um, yes, we are perhaps unfortunate that the month of his sabbatical happened to have five Sundays, and so today I'm the fifth guy. I, I do want to say thank you to the men who have taught us uh, for the past four weeks, uh, our own Dylan Kirkland and Neil Reynolds and then Tim, uh, uh, Tom Harbin, one of our shepherds, and then last week, Chris Jones. Uh, I have two jobs this morning. The first one is to set the bar really, really low so that you're all excited for Buddy to come back and take off on Nehemiah next week. The second job is more ironic. Um, I came here, I've got this training as an electrical engineer, and my goal today is for the first time in five years to make it through a stage appearance without having to fix my microphone. <laughs> Technology has not been my friend on this stage. <laughs> I want to tell you two stories uh, from the Gospels, two parables, sort of condensed versions, and we're going to look at brokenness today and use these stories to help us examine that idea. So the first is the story uh, of the Good Samaritan, we call it. There was a traveler, he was leaving Jerusalem, going down to Jericho, uh, that's a steep, windy, dangerous road. Caves, rocks, and bush points. In fact, it was uncommon for people to walk on that road alone. But our traveler is on the road and he falls among thieves. That falls among, that means he's in, surrounded by, covered over the top, he is surrounded. And they beat him, and they stripped him, and they left him on the road half dead. Carnage on the side of the highway. A priest, a designated good guy comes along, and the priest sees this uh, guy laying on the road from a distance and crosses to the other side of the road and keeps on going. I don't know if the traveler knew that or not, but I kind of wonder if he realized that hope had been right there and hope just left. The next guy is a Levite, also trained in the law, the Levite comes a little closer. He sees the traveler laying there, and it says he came to the place. He actually came close enough to look. And then he crossed to the other side of the road and kept going. Then comes someone that Jesus chose as, as far toward the opposite end of the relationship spectrum as he could. We went from priest and Levite to Samaritan. It was not many years before that that there was a group of Samaritans who defiled the temple during a religious ceremony by going and spreading dead man's bones. Does that give you an idea how big a contrast this is? Samaritans are hated at this stage. But the Samaritan sees the man feels compassion. Your translation may say his heart went out to him. And he goes to him. 
And he, as I can see this, this guy's lying on the side of the road. The guy goes to him. He gets off of his donkey. He kneels down. He does what he can there, puts him on his donkey, and then takes him onto an inn. I want to go back. So the traveler fell among thieves. The traveler gets beat up. The traveler is stripped naked. It's a bad enough attack. He is left on the road half dead. He's just nearly roadkill. Now let's come back and look how that might fit in our own life stories. You know, in the parable of the Good Shepherd, Jesus said, uh, thieves come to steal and kill and destroy. And that's certainly what we see in this story. Those, um, they stole his clothing, they beat him up, took everything he had. Maybe brokenness for you is when someone takes something from you. Maybe it's when somebody just destroys a good day. Maybe it's when a loved one is taken by murder or by COVID or or, or cancer. Maybe it's when an opportunity at work is taken from you or it's a companion who abused you and stole your self-confidence. Maybe brokenness is when something is taken from you. Our traveler was stripped naked. Maybe brokenness is when someone strips you of your dignity. It's an illness that makes it unpleasant for you to be with other people. Maybe it's a spouse who left you and left you wondering about yourself. Maybe it's somebody that shares a story with others that you shared in confidence. Brokenness can be when you're stripped of your dignity. He said they beat him up. One catastrophe, one punch. Another catastrophe, another punch. A child is sick, another punch. The boss says, your work is not quite what it needs to be, another punch. Punch, punch, punch. Maybe your brokenness is when punch by punch, life beats you up and leaves you feeling bruised and broken. left him near dead. Maybe that's the brokenness when every dream, every bit of energy, every sense of purpose, remember that journey that he was on that was totally interrupted, every sense of purpose, and every last bit of hope is sucked out of you. Maybe that's the brokenness that you feel. These are kinds of brokenness that come from aggressive activities, all right? The thieves beat, stripped, and left for dead. But if you go back to the traveler's story, remember that priest? The priest came close enough that he understood what was going on. Maybe we could even say the priest came close enough to realize This guy is lying in a messy situation. Oh, wait, his whole body and life is messy. How many of us have brokenness that's just messy? 
But maybe the brokenness is when we become someone who is avoided. The priest saw just enough and went to the other side of the road to avoid. The Levite came closer. He came and looked. He came to the place, it says in the text. And he looked and he saw and he ignored. Maybe brokenness is when someone sees and knows and ignores, doesn't care enough to stop and engage. The reason I separated those two lists is because these last two are brokenness in the form of passiveness. The priest didn't do anything to break the traveler, but he avoided him. The Levite didn't do anything to break the traveler, but he ignored him. Sorry. Now, to our second story. We call this one the prodigal son. It's in Luke chapter 15. It might be better described as the lost son. So there was a man, a farmer. He had two sons. And one day his son came to him and said, Father, I would like you to give me what I would get when you die. Oh, that's not really what he said. It says, I would like my part of the inheritance. But that's what he said. So the father divides his estate and gives it to his son. And the son gathers it up and leaves. He goes away. He lives prodigally, wastefully, extravagantly. And as things would work, he runs out of money and friends about the same time. There might be a story there. And... About the same time he runs out of money, the land runs out of food. So this good Jewish kid enters into a contract with a non-Jew, with someone not from his faith or his tradition or his identity. And by the way, good Jewish kid, your job is to sit with the pigs and feed the pigs. So as the story goes, he came to his right mind, or he came to his senses, or he came to himself. Different ones of our translations say that a little differently. But he realized a number of things he'd done to himself. He's starving. He wants the pig food. Oh, wait, Jewish kid. But he wants the pig food, but nobody will let him have it. Servants at his father's house have plenty to eat, but he's starving. And the last thing that really hurts when you read is when he says to himself, I am no longer worthy. That's brokenness. So the son gets up, and we can imagine, the, this is one of those journeys where the distance is not measured in steps, right? This is like dog years, because he is going back to the place where he has broken everything. And so, one step, two steps, all of those steps, deeper and deeper into the place 
that he broke before he left. So let's take again our lens and talk about the kinds of brokenness that we can see. In verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses or when he came to himself, or the one I like the best, when he came to his right mind. In verse 15, it's that Jewish kid sent to feed the pigs. In verse 17, the son realized he is starving to death. His basic physical needs, they're not being met. In verse 19, the son comes to a crushing realization. I am no longer worthy. Now again, I want to see how those play in our story. Maybe you keep getting so angry with yourself, so angry that you find yourself saying things you don't understand. You're not in your right mind. Maybe your brokenness is compulsive eating. And you keep finding yourself with the last sweet out of the box. Maybe brokenness is when we find ourselves acting crazy. Not at all like we want to be. Maybe our brokenness is when we think we have done something so totally outside our family norms that we think we can never go home. We can never be accepted back. You know, a Jewish boy that touched a pig would be ceremonially unclean. Maybe for us, that means that I think my brokenness smells worse than everybody else's brokenness. Maybe it means my brokenness, I think, shows up as a scarlet letter on my head. Maybe... Brokenness is when you have gone so far away, when that distant land that Jesus talked about is so far away that you think you lose your identity, you've lost your very self. Maybe your brokenness is when you wake up every morning to deal with the mistakes that you made sometime in the past and you realize, oh, my brokenness, I'm my own worst enemy. Probably the hardest for me to read is to think about, I am no longer worthy. Like Michael said, we live with unworthy, and we live with unable to make ourselves worthy. And for this son, there is tears and embarrassment and shame. He's sitting in a pig pen, smelling his own unworthiness. Maybe your brokenness comes to this point because you were in a relationship that was so abusive that it left you feeling as though you were never worthy for a good relationship. Maybe your sense has gotten to the point You don't feel like there's anything good that ought to come to you. I've outlined a number of ways that we can be broken. I would say brokenness is all the ways that someone hurts or is wounded by life. 
And at this point, it would be reasonable for somebody, usually this would be Linda, when she would be looking at me saying with her eyes, what is it that you're trying to get to, Jeff? Can we get to the good part? (laughs) So let's talk about what do we do with this. And what I want to do is look at a verse that these two stories have in common. So from the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, in verse 33 it says, A Samaritan came to the place where the man was, and he did three things. He saw the traveler. He was moved with compassion, and he went to the traveler. He saw, he was moved, he went. The father, looking down the road as the son approached, saw the son still at a great distance, He saw the son. He was moved with compassion. And the text here says he ran to the son. So I think there's a pattern here. See, feel, go. And it would be really easy to stop this summary of brokenness here and just move on. It seems natural because we live around broken people all the time. We sit in the pews with them. We work in offices with them. We sleep at night with them. We drive by them on the street. And what Satan would tell us is that we don't know how to help. And I want to take that on head on. And to do that, I want to go back to the prodigal son story and I want to think about what the son said to the father you see under Jewish law um, a father would leave two thirds if he had two sons he would leave two thirds of his estate to the older son and one third to the younger son and there were provisions so that he could tell the older son these are the things that are going to be yours and to the younger these are the things that are going to be yours But the law provided that the father could live off of the proceeds of his estate until he died. So he could say, these will be yours, but until I die, I get to use those and live on those, and and they remain the father's. But let's think what the son said. Dear father, may I have my share of the estate? Which translates to, dear father, I would rather have your stuff than have you. Uh, Dear Father, I want it now to use myself, which I think translates to, Dear Father, I've chosen to take your future away. And last, it says that the son gathered it all up and took his stuff to a far land. I don't understand how you take a farm and you gather it up, and you take it to a far land. So this is what I think happened. I think this father had to go to his neighbor and say, would you like to buy some farmland? Um, Well, why are you selling your farm? My son would rather have the land or the money it brings than me. I think that's the way that worked out. 
Now, again, let's go and how that might look in our lives. First off, to the dad, this is an act of gross disrespect, right? But the father wanted the inheritance rather than the presence of his, the the son wanted the inheritance rather than the presence of his father. Maybe this is the brokenness of a woman who's been treated as an object to be used rather than a person to be respected. Maybe brokenness is when you're worth, le- you're worth less than stuff. I want it now, he said to his father. Dear father, I am more concerned with my good time than I am with your survival. Maybe this is a partner who takes from a business at your expense. Maybe this is someone who takes away what sustains you, and that's your kind of brokenness. Maybe as the father who had to sell his land, you're humiliated in your community. A father who has to ask to sell land, and maybe your brokenness is humiliation. So my conclusion is that the father is just as broken as the son. In fact, I'm going to make the leap and say that we are all broken. Brokenness is all of the ways that we hurt and all of the ways that we're wounded by life. And we are all broken. So here's the way this works. You and I, broken men and women, we are called to be compassionate, to respond to brokenness in the pattern that Jesus described in these two stories, to be unwilling to avoid and ignore. How do we do that? I think there's, again, three steps, and I want to finish with these. Pattern piece number one, see a person as they really are. You know when you walk down the sidewalk and you say, How are you? But you don't say it until someone is right beside you and they're walking on by because it's a, it's a, like a formality. I can't walk by without saying something, but I really don't care what the guy says back. We can see like that. Jesus calls us to see a person in their broke, to see them as they really are. Emotional brokenness, spiritual brokenness, the brokenness that comes from poverty or domestic abuse or racism or drug addiction. See people. This is a challenge to us. This challenge says that I can't be so absorbed on my own stuff that I can't see the people around me. It's the challenge to not allow myself to close my eyes and not see. It's a challenge to not simply get used to seeing brokenness and calling it acceptable. See people as they really are. Pattern number two. Feel that person's pain with him or with her. The reason 
that the original text says his heart went out was the way it's translated is because it's a little more vulgar term it kind of has to do with his guts were stirred because when this story was written the prevailing idea was that pity and emotion and kindness were in your in your guts that's the part of the body that carried that sense of kindness or pity or compassion And so what Jesus is saying is that when we really see someone, compassion is when we have that visceral response, when we are moved within about the pain and brokenness we see around us. So maybe again, there are some questions. Am I willing to fight my instincts when I do see my instinct is to avoid or to ignore Am I willing to fight that? Maybe we need to ask ourselves more hard questions. Am I willing to go into someone's messy situation? Do I even know how to feel the pain in someone else's life? Pattern piece number three. Go to that person. The short version is tears cried from afar don't really change someone's life, right? And here's the, the real hard part about this. The Samaritan did not beat up the traveler, right? That's not the story. And the father was, in fact, a victim of the son's disrespect and abusive language. So it's not a matter of who caused the brokenness. Jesus calls us to see, to feel, and to go. Ha ha, here's page eight. (laughs) Now the natural question is, what do I do when I get there? You see, Satan would say, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You're probably just going to make it worse. And by the way, you haven't lived this life so well yourself. Who do you think you are to go to someone who's broken? The father was even the victim, and he ran. Now, Satan uses brokenness to isolate us. Can you imagine the traveler laying on the side of the road, barely conscious? Perhaps he knew when someone walked by. Perhaps he knew when someone walked up and then left. He felt isolated, people unwilling to come to him as though there's no hope. Maybe he isolates me because I am so aware of my own brokenness that I allow it to paralyze me and I find myself unable to go. I think Satan wants to use our brokenness to isolate us. Jesus uses our brokenness to equip us. So what do you do when you get there? Be present. If you think about the stories, the Good Samaritan, what did he do? He went to the traveler. And what did the father do? He went to the son. He, they both were with the broken one. When you go to someone, you are refusing to let them be 
alone. You're refusing to let them be isolated by their brokenness. You are not going as a healer. That's the job of Jesus. But you're growing, going as a broken person who is a companion. So my challenge for us today is to see brokenness. Allow it to move you within and go to the broken person. If you would like to come forward today so that we as a church can join you in your brokenness, if you would like to come forward today to give your life to Jesus, we'll have some elders and others here to pray with you. Please come while we stand and sing.